Hi, Rick and friends. Yes, another day, and this is a, a very good day because we get to uh, be joined by our regular guest, which is uh, Mr. Cox. Who, I, I, now just a sidebar to this. Uh, Jeff and I spend some evenings, most evenings, sharing stories back and forth of what gets on the agenda and everything else. And uh, I don't think we use all caps, but we could. <laughs> <laughs> I did a couple times this week. Because it, 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 it does feel like this, this show that is the liberal government continues to provide us uh, never-ending entertainment. And, uh, you know, I, I think I count us as somewhat moderate. You know, we, I, I feel like we're not, you know, we're not pushing a nefarious agenda here. We're just kind of speaking our minds. I said this to you before we came on air. I, I've always thought that I've had a foot in the, in the middle. And, and I haven't always voted conservative. Um, you know, you and I talked about that. It's, but but I, I have never been driven so hard to pick a side. And that scares me, you know, um, and we're going to get into that today. But, but the, the, in, it's the insanity that I wake up to every day that, that I just go, this, this can't be real. Right. Um, that's actually pretty much what, what follows almost everything I send you is this can't be real. Did you read this? This can't be real. Well, and, and the other thing too, is, you know, I, I would say that maybe once, uh, once a week we would dig up something, yep. but but you and I are finding stuff like multiples daily, daily where we're going, I don't know if this feels right. And <laughs> like and and I'm gonna bring it back to this, which is uh you have written to Dan Albus mm-hmm. and Tracy Gray, yep. and I found it a very eloquent letter. Uh there's some passion there. So you've recently and I'm gonna share it with the the listeners because well it's it, it's just it, it's worth repeating. So uh, Tracy, Dan, hope all is well. I know your government is not in power in my 42 years. You're 42, hey? Yeah. Just young. <laughs> I've never actually written an MP despite being a vocal critic. That might give you an idea of my of our desperation. I would assume you're speaking on behalf of your wife. Yeah. Just, okay. just in general, I think, where society's at too, right? But yeah, in, in, in our household. Okay. Uh, today, I spent most of the day trying to find baby formula with no luck. We will be out this week. I have not been able to find formula in the city for four weeks now. On my hunt today, I was able to find one bottle of Tylenol. Couldn't actually believe what I was looking at. I felt like I won the lottery because I found an infant bottle of Tylenol. had extreme joy. That is disgusting. Is this a first world country? I spent my days off driving around trying to find food for an 18-month-year-old. Are we proud of this? Uh, in sidebar to that, I was just in Mexico. Yep. Lots of uh, medicine on the shelves. Yeah, tons. Third world country. Well, yeah, well you know, yep. developing. Uh, two weeks ago, I was able to hire an employee with some promise. It's almost impossible these days to find anyone to work. On Friday, she came in in tears because her daycare is closing. She has no other options but to quit. My wife and I had serious discussion this evening about our options to leave Canada. It's gut-wrenching to think of leaving family, friends, and selling the two businesses we spent most of our lives building. But what other options do we have? Our effective tax rate after all is said is done is north of 60% with sales tax, carbon tax, federal taxes, 60% of our income, and my pregnant can't my pregnant wife can't see a doctor when she needs to. When my son is sick, we sit in non-emergency care or walk-ins for hours on end hoping he doesn't have RSV or strep because we can't get antibiotics. 
I can't be alone. We work very hard and I'm grateful we have the means to buy groceries, diapers, and gas. But at what point does this insanity end? I step over drug addict homeless human beings to get into our building most days. We have a policy now that women can walk to their car alone after 5 p.m. That is a very sad state of affairs. What is happening to this country? Honestly, I'm disgusted at the state of this country, province, and city. We're failing our society. When will we hit a breaking point? Jeff Cox. Well said, sir. Well Thanks. said. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's true. And it's letters like these that get read in, in Parliament. Yeah. And, and those are the ones that really hit home, I hope, to our leaders to say, you know. But what I'm often amazed by is the, is the pivoting that's done of, you know, a question is asked of, of the Prime Minister or Christ, Christina Freeland of something, and they don't answer it. No. They, and, they and divert. I, yeah, they divert. And I mean, I think, I mean, there is some, I, I, you know, and it's always ideological. And, and, and I think that's the problem. So we're having core issues. So Tylenol, uh, you know, and again, if you have kids under the age of, I'd say five, you, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But this isn't new, but yet it seems to go away. And that's what I find bizarre is how this is not front and center in the media every day. That you, we, we have friend groups um, with small children to share medicine. That's where, that's where this country's at. Uh, formula has been touch and go, but it's been reasonable to get a hold of until about Christmas. So it's really been the past past month. Usually you could walk in and there was a box. You know, you'd maybe have to, ah, okay, we'll stop at Superstore. Maybe I was at Save On. Like, like you might have to shift. That that has disappeared now too. So uh, we found some last night. Um, uh, and, and again, it's like, you're, th- this is what we're doing on our spare time. We're we're visiting grocery stores. We may or may not attend regularly. We're going to the ones we attend regularly in the hopes of finding a box of formula. Right? So, so devil's advocate here, If is this fall at the feet of the government, though? Or is this a supply chain issue? Like, a, I, I'm just trying to unpack what, you know, fundamentally we don't have that necessary supply. So is that at the feet of the liberals? But, but or, that, or where is that? That is, I mean, they love to play a role in our lives every day, Okay. So, so, and, and that's kind of my point here is we are not a country of free enterprise. We're, we're a hybrid model. Okay. Uh, but it's not that I'm the, the, to your point, Mexico is not suffering. The U S is not suffering. This is a Canadian issue. Why is it a Canadian issue? It's a Canadian issue because of government regulation. And, and, and here's the deal, Rick, when, when times get tough, that is the role of government to step in and secure things like formula and, and medicine. And we've not done that, okay? I know uh, a woman um, who had strep throat, uh, and and they gave her tetracycline. That was the only antibiotic they could give her. The last time I took tetracycline is because I had acne and I was 15. That is what we're handing out as antibiotics right now in this country to treat strep throat. This has got to stop, but we've got to start talking about it. We have to start talking about the fact that Infant Tylenol is not to be found. Baby formula, not to be found. Drugs, not to be found. You know, I, I again, I have another family in Calgary, and and again, it has been a, it has been a tough winter. If you have kids, um, and not and not even if you don't have kids. I mean, we have we have in this city, very sadly, had a had a young girl die of strep throat, um, despite her mother taking her to the hospital multiple times. 
um, but she went septic. Uh, it happened in Calgary. Uh, RSV has taken the lives of young children um, a, 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 a number of times this winter. You know, and I have a, so I have a, my best friends in Calgary, again, same deal, son gets strep, um, and they run pharmacies to pharmacy trying to get antibiotics. They finally, at the sixth or seventh pharmacy, get somebody that can make a compound for $236. Now, the means to buy it, it's not the point. It's, it's, this is serious issues, right? Mm -hmm. Christian Freeland wants to talk about, about the green transition. Uh, and yet she can't, I, I mean, this, this is, when you look around the world at, at, at countries that have gone sideways, this is the start of it, right? This is, this is what it looked like in Venezuela. Like diapers disappeared, formula disappeared, only certain, only certain classes of people were getting it. Like, like I don't, I'm not trying to be a fear monger, but this is reality. This is how you start down the wrong path. It's interesting from a standpoint of you have a leadership that, you know, does follow an agenda and it, and I've said this before, it, it does seem like they put Canada and, and take the name Canada out and just put any country in there. It's like they don't, they don't have boots on the ground. They don't have people they don't have any kind of feedback loop for the citizens where they go, what is currently facing you as a hardship? And we will address that. It seems like we are going to go after, you know, uh, guns. So that's on top of the agenda. We have a Canada growth fund. We need to, to really talk about this $2 billion. What are we going to use it for? That's to be determined. We're going to figure that out later. But all we know is that the Biden administration is starting on this path we need to catch up and and it just keeps going on and on where you find yourself going well wait a second ha have we not any kind of any kind of listening that's happening to the fact that we like passports to airline to like all these these falling down aspects of government are not being addressed and they continue to follow the path of these are priorities for us not priorities for you, but that's okay because just look at this golden horizon that we're creating. Like it, it does feel like a, a disconnect that I'm. I, we, we talk about in this program. The the most I've ever witnessed in my time, for sure. You know, and and again, when it hits close to home, and you're starting to talk about about children's health, you know, especially after three years of 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 government officials telling us how to control our health, and then to now not not seem to be that big issue, you know, when I, it just, I, it doesn't, you know, you start to understand, and I, and I'm this talking to you, you start to understand where the conspiracy theorists come from, right? Because mm -hmm. you go, man, your story starts to add up at some point, right? I'm not going there at all. That, I'm not that, but I just, I mean, there are moments when I go, man, maybe these guys are right, you know, and that's not a good place to be either, right? <laughs> well, it, it, and that's just it is you, you kind of shake your head and go like, for instance, uh, in, in Let's Look South, you know, the Biden administration is is being pulled on the carpet for the fact that, you know, diesel is, mm -hmm. is going to be in short supply. And he canceled Keystone XL. He canceled leases. Like, he, he fundamentally uh, dwarfed the energy program in the U.S. And, and the administration, the Biden administration, says, you know what? It's not our fault. It's the fact that uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, and that created a shortage supply. And yeah. that's not this. That's not our fault. And... I, I do find that the liberals and the and the the Biden administration have a lot of 
I, I think there's a lot of back and forth there. Yeah, and, they, and listen, nobody, well, I shouldn't say that. I know you and I don't wake up every day and think, let's destroy the environment, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but we, in fact, I, I would love to lead a sustainable earth for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, and, I'm, and I know that something has to be done there. Um, and and there are there are ways this can be done, but but you've got to be careful of the counter uh, intuitive actions that you do, right? So again, to your point, we don't have today a solution um, for diesel trucks, right? Mm-hmm. Like like I'm sorry, but you're not buying an electric semi today. In fact, we don't know where that is. Okay, so to fill up a semi, as as you pointed out, um, was eleven hundred dollars US. That is going right to the to the bottom line of food costs, right? Mm. Now, do we need solutions? Yeah, there are solutions. You and I talked about this in the last show. What we live in a, in a valley that has an abundance of fruit, and yet if you walk into most grocery stores, it's got a Wenatchee, Washington uh, label on the fruit. It gets moved. There are ways to cut carbon with without the insanity, mm-hmm. and that's the part that I'm I'm saying. Listen, you know, if we're so if we're like. And again, you, you know, the minute you talk about Davos or WEF, and, and I'm not bought into all that conspiracy crap. All I'm saying is, you know, this week everybody met in Davos. More private jets flew into Davos this week carrying green zealots than, 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 than you know, any time since the last time they had the conference, right? And to talk about how they need to change, how climate change need, action needs to happen. Like it's the, that part really bothers me, right? I think it was John Kerry that was talking about the fact that we have to start this this action now, and and, and literally just got off his jet, and and it seems like an elite uh, form of uh, you know virtue signaling or whatever you want to call it. But he just he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth, where you know, and they're running, they're wealthy, wealthy individuals saying, you people have to start figuring this out. I mean, this is ridiculous. And that's the part that drives us all insane. So, and the, and the point is this, so, so it's this idea that it's like zero or nothing, right? And so here's a great example. Germany and Japan are begging us for liquefied natural gas, Mm -hmm. right? Clean, uh, Clean energy, uh, effectively. Does it create car- versus coal? Correct. Does it create carbon emissions? Yep. Uh, we said no, and so Germany fired up its coal plants. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the insanity. Is like what we should be doing is tackling this from a from a worldview. And Canada could play a phenomenal role in reducing the carbon footprint of India and China. The reality is, we make up one point five percent of the emissions in in Canada for the rest of the world. So if we cut them in half. Yippee skippy. Now, should we? Sure, we should move in that direction. I'm not denying that at all. But if we're going to make a real impact, let's start Let's start doing it by providing LNG or clean services to countries that need it. You know, Canada's oil sands, the, the six largest producers of Canada's oil sands are, are, are regularly producing transparent documents about how they're reducing commission or how they're reducing emission. That's not happening in Saudi Arabia. And yet Mr. Trudeau constantly wants to bring in oil from, from as Pierre says, dirty dictators versus piping across two provinces. Now, are you suggesting that we share the same atmosphere as Germany? <laughs> Hard to believe. <laughs> but it, it's interesting, though, that that's a very insulated viewpoint of, well, you know, we're going to make no moves because this is the fact that we are trying to 
fundamentally stop our energy sector or dwarf it or, or paralyze it because we don't want to share this. And it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And going back to your conspiracy thoughts, it's just odd to me that these countries are like, I, I think the Germany built a port, I think I want to say nine months to, to accept LNG and, uh, you know, and, and nobody really wants to buy from Russia. Nope. And, but, they have to make sure their citizens have warm homes. So there's this real disconnect, it seems. Again, going back to that word, a disconnect of if we help the Germans, just even Germany, which is a really big economy, and we gave them this LNG, they would actually fundamentally help the atmosphere, Correct. help the climate. If we're truly, and again, this goes back to our original thought, if we're truly trying to help the climate, like if we're truly right, doing if we're, that. If, we're, if we're really trying to move this forward, the first step would be to to use cleaner cleaner forms of energy to reduce the carbon footprint that exists today. That's that we have. You, that's that we have in, start. in right. ample supply. Right, and you would lead by example. Right, you would go out and say, "Oh, I'm not taking my private jet to Jamaica for the umpteenth time since I've been prime minister." But mm-hmm. he doesn't. He still does it, right? You would have an environment minister, um, you know, who who chained himself to gas stations and and jumped off the CN Tower, whatever insanity he did when he was a criminal, mm-hmm. um, and now um, logs more kilometers in a month than most families do in a year. And that's not a that that that's fact. There's tons of articles written about how how Stephen uh, r- r- runs around on the back of a Yukon um, at a ridiculous amount with a driver. Um, and, and, and the justification is COVID. <laughs> but, but the, the other thing too, is there's a lot of money in the green initiative. Like that's, that's the other thing is these emerging technologies. It takes a lot of money and, and let's face it. If, if push comes to shove, if you start, you know, unveiling, uh, the amount of money that's associated with any kind of green technology, there's a ton of money to be made there. There, but there, and there's also there. The other part of it is there's a ton of lobbying money. So again, what happened last week or within the last week, there was a slip in the U.S. where um, somebody came out and said they were going to ban gas stoves because it caused asthma. Well, I mean, it didn't take CBC four minutes, and they had some expert that was like, kids are dying from from gas stoves. Like it, it was, we went, it, they just, like usual, they just went to insanity. Yeah. Um, and, and it turns out that group um, that 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 was behind it has huge money from the Rockefellers and Bezos. Uh, and again, this is not conspiracy. This is transparent funded that this is our challenge is we have, you know, I, I love when you go back to Christian Freeland talking about, you know, uh, us money funding, funding, you know, things in Canada. Well, mm-hmm. the reality is huge us dollars are fighting the green fight in Canada, um, to, to really curb, curb our oil production. Um, so that they can keep their they can keep their prices where it is like like how like that's not that's not a conspiracy theory that's pretty transparent reported in mainstream media um, that that a lot of these green zealots are being funded by large corporations in the U.S. trying to curb Canadians' domestic pr- production. I always take a step back and wonder: Do a lot of people, a lot of Canadians, hear that and then go, you know what? I'm going to find more out about that because that. That that's not the way our country should be, and and we uh, and the fact that there's 
Chinese propaganda, there's U.S. propaganda running, you know, running through Canadian media. I think a lot of people would be surprised by that. I yeah, I think a lot of people are surprised by that. I think I don't think they believe it. You know, um, I mean, the Communist Party of Canada has, or they're, <laughs> they're in power now. Uh, the Communist. That, that's a good slip. The Communist Party of China. Um, has bought multiple uh, full-page ads in the Globe and Mail over the past three years. That's that's the last one was in probably September of last year, uh, and they and they spin it off as a news story. Again, you can Google that any day. I mean, I mean, I don't think Canadians understand the influence that that foreign governments actually have in this country, and 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 have influenced our elections, which is which is another thing we've just uh, found out, right? And and again, but yet there's the thin veil over it, and nobody seems to be able to dig um, to find out how how deep and who knew what. Uh, but the reality is, the Liberal government was very aware that the Chinese played a role in in our last election election cycle. So, did uh, the Prime Minister? Because I don't know if it actually came out where, because I I think the fundamental question by Pierre Polyev was, did you get a briefing from anyone in law enforcement? or any aid or anywhere else that there was tampering in the election. And 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 he's asking for that answer. And, and then, of course, uh, Mr. Trudeau comes back with, we created uh, an independent, not, not answering the question, but we, we created an independent board in 2019 to ensure that election cycles. So if you look and you f- if you actually dive into that answer, he just says we created this this independent board to make sure that there was no tampering. Right. Didn't say that there wasn't any tampering. Didn't say that there was anything found from that. But he just he answered the question with, you know, an idea or a thought of what they thought was going to be covering all those bases. But I, I, I that's that's the part that drives me insane. Is if if democracy at its very at basis point is it's elections. Like, I mean, that that's where democracy lies. And if there's any tampering with that, then the very theory of democracy is actually Gone. in peril. You bet. I mean, question period itself, I, I mean, it's always been theater, but it's become insanity, right? I mean, I mean, it's 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 really only now created these snippets, depending on what side of the what side of the aisle that you're on. Um, they become laughable before I go to bed at night, right? You know, I'm I'm, you know, I get either forwarded or find them and, and you go, oh my goodness. And, and again, I, you know, what a sad state to be as a democracy that, that what is supposed to be transparent um, time for Canadians to have answers to questions has become a political joke. And, so, that, and that's not all in the Liberals, you know. So speaking of, of that, and that's a good jumping off point, um, what about that NDP alliance? Like, <laughs> That, is that going anywhere? Or uh, no. I, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense for Mister Yagmeet to to do anything with that. This is the most power he's ever wielded, ever and in his we'll, party's and, history, and will ever have. Yeah, and and I, you and I have talked about this before too. I mean, uh, you know, Jack Layton legitimized the NDP, and at that time they became the f- official opposition. And to be clear, Thomas Mulcair um, had had the second best showing ever in history for the NDP, and he got fired. And so I'm not sure what their what what they what their stance was at that point. Um, and now Jagmeet finds himself um, holding a government together. He's a disaster. I, I mean, 
he is he is so far from what he is supposed to represent it's bizarre to me you know like i don't i don't i think they've totally alienated their base um in in my eyes but of course he's not going to give up the power because the minute he does he's done mm-hmm. um i mean there i'm i'm sure uh their next showing will be will be um extremely low but but again and i know we're going to talk about this today but the irony is as much as they're polling low he's actually polling at a reasonable number and and again trudeau has the staunch base of 30 like no matter what happens trudeau himself not the liberals because the liberals are getting absolutely destroyed right now in the polls but Trudeau himself sits at 30 percent like it's so there's 30 percent of this country that no matter what happens are, are saying this guy's doing a good job right yeah and i i read that uh headline about the fact that if if the liberals replace trudeau there's a really strong chance that they will win a majority government like i yeah yeah that so you got poll, polling i and i i was driving here it was a I was listening to I was listening to talk radio on the way in, and um, and so and Nano's put out a poll this week which polls a thousand people. Which, you know, again, I I if you understand statistics, and I barely do. I think I had to take one university course on stats. I'm not sure what my grade was. It was that high. Um, you know, if you understand statistics, you don't need to go poll 38 million Canadians to get the, to get an accurate answer. And Nick Nanos has done a very good job, um, and he's got a track record that says he knows what he's doing. What they're saying is that the Conservatives would win a majority today, 36% um, uh, approval rating, 28 for the Liberals, and and the NDP are kicking somewhere around high teens, maybe 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 20. But if you go to leaders, um, Justin Trudeau has a 30% approval rating, and Pierre has a 28% approval rating. That doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, but again, I think this comes back to... I think the conservatives have to look in the mirror and say, okay, and this is actually a part of this, part of some of the articles I've read over the last 48 hours is they actually can't define why Pierre can't get traction. And uh, a caller this morning as I was driving in and talked, said, because people aren't listening. And he said, if you follow Pierre Polyev on social media and you can sincerely believe what he's saying, He's like, how can you not get behind him? He goes, the hair stands up on my neck when this guy talks. I get so emotional because he wants what I want, which leads me to believe that people have made their mind up that he's a nut bar before it started. And they've, and I believe they've done that because, I mean, our mainstream media in this country gets $6 billion a year to, to spin a message. And, and I was in uh, Calgary just the other day, and, and we'll talk a bit about the Just Transition line because that's a great one too. But the other thing, uh, so a good friend of mine back in the old uh, college days, he said when I, I, I don't politics came up in, in the car, and he's a real estate agent in Calgary, Alberta, and uh, what I consider a very good friend and, and everything else. And I, I would think we've chatted often enough that he knows my viewpoints, and I probably know his. And I said, what, what do you think is, you know, if an election was called this spring, what do you think would happen? He goes, well, man, that uh, Polyev guy, he goes, he's just, he's just going to stand down a little bit. He's just going to, you know, ease the message a bit. I go, okay. And, and, and again, I try not to, yeah. I just want to hear. And he goes, well, he, he just got to stop the, you know, the barking dog thing. And, and I think he's got to just you know, try to, to make more bridges instead of burning him, burning him up. And I said, okay, good point. And, and like, I'm, I'm in the passenger seat of the car, you know, trying desperately to 
to just, again, let the information flow so I can better understand it. And, and I'm not saying, you know, blindly that uh, he's the guy. I'm always curious to find out because I'm in, I'm in marketing. I, I want to know how people think. And I said, what, what do you mean by that? And he says, well, he's, he's always taking uh, Trudeau to task. And I, I think there's a better way to do that, not so confrontational. And I, I said, but if you're speaking across from someone who fundamentally is arrogant, he's an elite, and he speaks... He looks down upon you and you know fundamentally a lot of these policies are flawed. And again, my words, not his. But don't you think at, at some point the, the bile in your throat is going to rise and you are going to react to that? I said, I think it's actually quite measured when he speaks to these points because he does hit them with some sort of fact-based. It's not adjectives like horrible and devastating and broken. He backs it up with, this is fundamentally where it was or where it should be. This is where the government has, has put it. So, I'm again, I have these conversations with people in, in an Alberta, Calgary. He's a businessman and he's still not sure that Polyev can moderate. And I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. I don't know if a, a political strategists can can walk into Polyev's camp and say okay hey he, we're gonna change the glass we're gonna change the hair <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna change the message I, I don't know because Polyev is like this is where we should go right. I don't understand why you don't yeah yeah and so there is um there is a law so the the what they are doing um is really focusing around um around the GTA uh, and, and, and that's, was what got Harper in, um, as, as a majority leader. Um, and if, and so they've actually hired, um, the same consultant, um, that worked at, at, at that time on Harper's campaign to help try and understand how PR makes inroads, um, in that group. I, listen, they, I'm with you, but, but that guy's still voting conservative. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, look, you know, I, I, I West of Winnipeg except for a small group in the, in the Vancouver area, is a, is a pretty mass-blanketed uh, uh, conservative belt now, you know, we, especially in the last election, right? Mm -hmm. So they've got to figure out um, in, in the greater Toronto area um, how to connect to women. So that seems to be an area that he's struggling with. Uh, immigrants um, seems to be an area that he's struggling with. Where he seems to have really turned a corner is 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 in that millennial group, um, which I think is positive. As he started talking about the real, the, you know, realistically owning a house and things like that. Um, and again, I think he's got the skills to do it. They've just got to figure out how to hone it in. What I think people need to do is listen, um, because I I'm like the caller that had called in this morning that I was listening to. I think if you sit back and listen to this guy, you're like. Oh, okay. I'm in, right? Mm. But he gets painted much differently in the media than than the message that I hear from him. The state-funded media. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's take a quick break. Uh, let's talk about some people that make the show possible. Let's talk about D6 Print Studio. What does D6 stand for? Devastatingly, diabolically good. Six times over, I'm sure. Large format printers. I just made all that up. But anyway, uh, they're very good, um, and and they. Listen, give them an idea for a sign. They'll probably make it better, and they can wrap cars. They can do a whole bunch of things. So give them a call, D6 Print Studios. 
Pereira down on Tot Street, uh, engagement rings, or maybe just because you know what she she's been amazing to you. Face it, the best gifts are those uh, surprise gifts. So Pereira uh, down on Tot Street, they have great sparkly things uh, to Corey Jewelry and CloneRNow.com news all the time. Whenever you want it, you want it, you want news, you want news. Okay, just go click on it. CloneRNow.com. Back in a bit with more Jeff Cox. Okay, we're back, and uh, I I, want to talk about this moment in in Alberta. I was there a few days ago, and uh, so Daniel Smith is trying to be reelected. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, thoughts back and forth. Well, I think the NDP is, you know, has a good chance of getting back in because Daniel Smith, of course, has has said some things, Uh, and, and she's very much in the face of Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Trudeau has a media machine behind him. So he's like, I will eviscerate you because if you keep standing up to me, the other premiers might get ideas. So anyway, uh, so, <laughs> so we and, didn't call Scott Moe last week when he went to Saskatchewan, <laughs> yeah. which is, which is for the record on a side note, disrespectful. It is actually, it's super disrespectful. You know, you fly in to, to, to go to a precious metals plant and you don't let the, you don't let the premier's office know you're going to be there. Come on, man. That's a joke. Let's talk about that first few moments of Scott Moe hearing that. <laughs> and Scott Moe's a good guy. Like, honestly, like, Scott Moe is, as far as I could tell, like, I mean, he wants what's best for his province. And he's not over the top. He's, he's, he, he keeps it very straight. More he's moderate. not dramatic. He's moderate. moderate more moderate than Brad Wall was. Way more moderate than Brad Wall. <laughs> you know? And, and then... And then Flippy here on his PJ comes in and says, oh, forgot. No, what was his line? Oh, we've announced lots with them. Like, anyway, I derailed you. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. So um, when, when I'm having these discussions in Alberta, the, uh, the Albertans, well, two, let's, let's, uh, let's call this apples to apples here. But two had said, I think the best thing that could have ever happened to Daniel Smith is the fact that uh, those rallying cry was heard, which was just transition. In other words, we are dismissing the the energy sector in Alberta. Um, you need to get on board with the green initiative, and just need to get on board. and And fundamentally, I was in a room for an event. Everyone, when I looked around the room, everyone had either family, part of the energy sector. Uh, working in the energy sector, knew someone from the energy, like the whole room had some sort of connection to the energy sector. So we're talking, even in my old stomping grounds, Tabor and Lethbridge, all of those people have someone they know that derives some sort of income from the energy sector. So it's a very dangerous thing to say. Yeah. And so Just Transition, which I just find the name hilarious, um, was a memo leaked by, by by Blacklock, which is a new subscription service in Ottawa, and it's a Q and A memo um, to John Wilkinson, who is the who is the um, uh, uh, energy not energy minister. Um, uh, shit, I he anyway uh, minister in in Ottawa. I'm trying to think. I'll, his title will come to me. So the bottom line is uh, he might be the energy minister. So oh, uh, I, yeah, resource minister. He's sorry, he's a resource minister. Uh, so effectively, this memo uh, came out and, and said, um, here's what we're going to do to the Canadian economy. We are going to eliminate 295,000 agriculture jobs. We are going to eliminate 202,000 jobs in the energy sector. 
we are gonna eliminate 193,000 manufacturing jobs, 642,000 transport jobs, uh, and that totals 13.5% of the Canadian workforce. And it's, it, it affects 25% of Alberta's economy. So, so his counter was, whoa, 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 no, 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 that's, that's, your, that's out of context. We're transitioning you them. You weren't supposed to get that either. Right. So, so uh, again, things we've already talked about in this show. So we, we, have, a, we have food shortages in this country right now. That's, that's real. Um, energy around the world is, is, uh, is sparse. Um, again, we have, we have Europe uh, and Japan bagging us for LNG. Um, we don't have enough homes uh, in this country. We're bringing in half a million, half a million immigrants a year for the next five years. Record-breaking, by the way. Record-breaking. And, and here's the deal. For the record, and not that it matters, but I support. Listen, that immigration has to be part of our plan. But you've also had a plan to, to house them, to give them medical, to do a bunch of things, right? So, again... Um, all the areas of our, of our country that are at a breaking point, and these guys are, are planning to, to transition, and by transition they mean um, essentially get rid of 13.5% of Canada's workforce um, in the name of climate change. And that, that's what they're after. They're saying it's, this is a green zealot, ideological, we need to eliminate these jobs um, to, save, to save Mother Earth. And again, it goes back to that that rallying point uh, for a Daniel Smith who went, thank you for the gift, yep. because you have just given me uh, the head of the snake, and now we all know where to focus our energies is. Because I think a lot of Albertans, as much as they might like or dislike Daniel Smith and what she said, I think the one part that they've, it's never, ever been confused, is she cares about her province. And I think... When you have someone say, we're trying to get out of these jobs, and she's saying, come at me, bro. <laughs> like, really? Yep. I, will, I will do everything I can to make sure you are stopped at the gate. So this is what happened. I, 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 you know, this is like my, one, of my, one of my calling cards right now is just extremism breeds extremism, okay? And you, don't, you can go back in history. It, it's, um, I'll, I'll give you an example that's coming to mind right now. When the U.S. invaded Iraq... Okay, they created a vacuum, and that va- so they were after the they were technically you know after Saddam Hussein and and the Taliban for what went on. Um, although Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with that, but but they created a vacuum that then actually created ISIS, right? So so this is what happens, right? You 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 produce and and create a a document that is that is really tabling legislation. And what you're doing is creating creating the extremism um, that 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 feeds the other side. I'm not saying Daniel Smith is extreme. She's a little bit she's a little bit on the edge. I will say that. And she says some things offside. They have empowered her right now. She looks like the savior. She's Robin Hood of Alberta, right? Mm-hmm. So you come out and, and produce this insane memo that says you're gonna that that and you you can read it. Thirteen and a half percent of of Canadians' economy they think that they're going to wipe clean. And you're and and you're going to do something else that's not harmful to the environment, and, like, and you'll have the skills necessary to do so. And that was the other right, part, right? right. <laughs> like, and and that'll just come through the mail. Like, you will actually have a guide of how to do your new job, right? In moments, yeah. Here's your guide to growing avocados, right? And and again, I I can't belabor this point either, which was the fact that a lot of these green initiatives. 
uh, one fellow mentioned the fact that, okay, you need lithium, you need a whole bunch of copper, you need a bunch of iron ore, like mm -hmm. you need all these things to create the infrastructure to even handle new EVs and all this new technology. Like he says, that stuff just doesn't grow out of the ground. And, and fundamentally, that is a major shift. And he said, not in any other part of civilization can you actually create 10 times more of a product because you fundamentally have not the capacity to just create lithium or copper or any of the other minerals needed for this green energy initiative so, overnight. And here's the insanity. It's, 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 we actually use liquefied natural gas in this country to produce electricity. I don't know what the actual statistic or percentage is, but it's significantly higher than you would think. You have, you know, uh, uh, you know, go here locally. You know, John Horgan and David Eby were staunchly against Sightsee Dam um, mm -hmm. when, it, when it was launched by the Liberals. And it was probably Christy Clark's demise, despite it actually being the right thing to do. But if we're going to go down this path, you better start breaking ground on about 10 of those in this province today, mm -hmm. right? So everyone's out there saying, well, we're just all going to drive, drive electric cars. I, I mean, I'm going to, I go back to that and that's, and that's the insanity, right? It's like, that's it. You know, I, I, you know, that group of, of four, I'm, I'm going to come up with a nickname for them, but, but Freeland, Mendocino, uh, Algebra and, and Trudeau. I mean, I mean this idea like, well, have you thought about buying a Tesla? And it's like, you elitist loser. You know what I mean? Like, like the majority of this country is, is trying to figure out, can they pay their, can they pay their heating bill or should they buy groceries? I mean, not the majority, but it's a it's a big number. It's thirty percent right now of people that are that are having to make conscious decisions about where they're going to go next. And 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 again, we we come up. This is and again, this is it. This is how, this is what happens. Is extremism breeds extremism. You know? But it it's interesting how you create this infrastructure of you have thirteen. I think it was the stat was, with the the new taxes coming in, it was going to cost an extra thirteen hundred dollars per year. And to, uh, to an average Canadian, consumer Canadian, with that new taxes being introduced April 1st, I think. And as a result of that, uh, Freeland says, whoa, 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 wait a second. We are actually rebating four to $500. Like we, we actually, I'm glad the conservatives have mentioned the fact that we have rebates. So again, it keeps going back to this. There's this delusional talk of, no, no, no. I know we're taxing you, but we're going to send you rebates. And But a lot of Canadians, when they see the check, when they see that credit... It's your money. <laughs> I, but they don't... It, it's almost like they're like, well, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and it's it's a shell game, though. It Take it to give it back. Like, it's bizarre. And, and you know, I, especially if you get you know, into the conservative right, um, but fiscally conservative, right? I mean, that's the argument. I mean, have you talked to a, have you talked to somebody that's a finance major or, or, or a CA or, you know, that, that, that is, that understands, you know, fiscal conservative. I mean, that's the stuff that actually makes them pull their hair out, right? Mm -hmm. Is, is that we're taking it to give it back. And they're like, do you understand the insanity of that? Like you had a dollar, you've just inflated that dollar to a buck 20 to give it back. Like, and, and, and that's the part that I don't think a lot of people understand is the cost uh, uh, of, of, of that process, right? And, and the transition aspect, which is 
you know, there's a word called austerity, and there's there would be austerity if you did go fiscally right, where you you canceled programs to get the the, the budget balanced, and by the way, as a result of that, you do get graded differently for your your debt, mm-hmm. and a lot of people I don't think equate that though. That's not into their household, and that's no. where I think the disconnect starts. But that transition away from all of these supported programs. I think that needs to be communicated to the Canadians to, to say, here's what this looks like. Hopefully, when we if, if you are elect us into power, this is what that transition looks like because a lot of Canadians are afraid of austerity. I think what they have to get away from, and again, I think this is just hard to say, but the reality is we're actually well-funded. So, again, even if you look at our health care, our health care is funded. Uh, if you put, again, if you put us up against you know, the 30 countries in the, in, in the world that have socialized medicine, um, we're, we're, we're funded uh, right at the top. Um, number one, I think per capita five, right? We've had this conversation. Um, but our deliverables are right at the bottom. It's, and, and that's a flow through of everything we do, right? So mm. it's not like that's unique to healthcare. Every level of our government um, is fat. And that's what we need is a house cleaning. I mean, again, they... They hired so many people through the pandemic. They were actually changing um, the job numbers. The workplace, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? <clears throat> so if you removed that 9 out of 10 new jobs that were created in 2022 were government jobs, we, we, we were actually in some pretty serious trouble, right? Well, hold it on a second. They emerged out of the pandemic pretty darn good. <laughs> you know, did we hire most of the people? Yes. But you know what? Let's leave that down in the uh, the the ether here. So, uh, listen, we keep chatting, but we're uh, we're out of time. As always, good to uh, see you, man. very good fun, uh, Jeff Cox. Everybody, thanks, Rick.